Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. And Bill Graham. Woo! As always, if you are hearing Beyonce's countdown, you know it's time for Top Tens. That's right. Today's episode is our Top Tens of the Year 2019. Unlike some fashionable movie podcasts that got these out before the new year, we decided to take a few extra months, just not hyperbole, just to make sure that we'd hit all the things that we really wanted to see. I'm sure we still fell short in many ways, but, you know, hindsight, time, patience, etc. So who made it through the floor? Yeah. <laughs> Not I. Uh, not I. Um, I also, I, I don't is, is know. Is that even a question? <laughs> Bill, you couldn't carve out six hours. Bill, it was to... only 14 hours. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was even longer. That's, that's half a day past my limit. <laughs> Legitimately <sighs> noon to midnight worth of Bill not being there for it. Um, I will also say that I, I did not watch uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire because we're talking about what? that. What? We're talking about it next week. I just, there's a part of me that even though I know it had like a token run last year, I feel like if it shows up, I'll just put it on this year's. You know, what? it's just, it's just, it was, I was, I was like infuriated by the way that that happened. Hmm. Um, I, I don't. I don't think Neon ever expected quite to have a horse the way they did in that race. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't also think that Neon expected France to turn in Les Mis instead of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which had like a lot of love behind it to begin with. So, so did Les Mis, oh, well. but I mean, Portrait of a Lady had a little more. I mean, it is it is the greatest cinematic romance of all time. Woo. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, this is our personal favorite films of the last year, I think is how I usually couch this because I find yeah. the term top 10 best of the year to be limiting and basically incorrect. So sure. Indeed. We're here for it. This is apparently one of our most listened to episodes of every year. So everyone who's a uh, Christmas Easter Catholic, welcome. <laughs> so glad mm -hmm. to have you here. Um, are... We will tell you right now, Joker is on none of our lists. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you don't know that for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, my you God, don't Brad. know that. Maybe I rewatched yeah. it and it became one of my favorite movies of the decade. <laughs> I, I certainly wow. that. That'd be great if it wasn't on your year list, but was on your decade list. <laughs> wasn't the best of the year, but it was one of the best of the decade. Can't deny that. Um what was I? What was I? I don't even remember what I was going to say. Uh, before we get into the top tens, I'm so tired. Before we get into the top tens, we have some uh, front matter to take care of. As always, follow us on uh, Facebook, uh, the Film Stage Show, uh, Twitter, at Film Stage Show. You can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash the Film Stage Show. And this is actually a great time for you to become a patron because 
If you do, you will be in the running for a fantabulous Blu-ray giveaway. Huzzah. Whenever I... <laughs> Thank you for the applause. Um, whenever I bring up our Patreon page, I say that you get first crack at all of our stuff. Uh, we have a lot of raffles and whatnot. And we are, indeed, giving away some Blu-rays. So, if you sign up to become a patron for as little as $1 an episode and email us podcast at thefilmstage.com, you can win a Blu-ray. Um, some of the Blu-rays that we have are as follows. The Criterion release of Carlos, a new restoration of Kundun, a new restoration of Brick, Queen and Slim, a new Blu-ray of Coming to America, <laughs> and a DVD, for whatever reason, of Room at the Top. That and so much more, uh, which I will not say because, hey, some of the best things in life are surprises. So again, if you become a patron for as little as $1 an episode, not only do you get access to our super cool Slack channel, where we now have, I'm sure everyone will be thrilled to hear this, a dedicated politics <laughs> channel, which I'm Sorry. sure in no way will lead someone to murder someone. <laughs> you can go... Our uh, illustrious editor said it, that will certainly lead to the end of our Slack film stage <laughs> podcast and probably end up with one or all of us in jail. Yeah, so, it was it was a good run, yeah. Or even worse, getting canceled. <laughs> so again, oh, become a patron. Email us podcastthefilmstage.com. If you are already a patron, Thank you. And you can also email podcastfilmstage.com. So if you haven't signed up to be a patron yet and you don't want any of those old school rich patrons to go and grab themselves another Blu-ray, hop on it, become a new patron for as little as $1 an episode and you can get a Blu-ray. We don't mind if you're new money. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. We're not establishment oh folk. You know, we, we love the nouveau riche and the, uh, the non-nouveau riche all the same. What else? Um, I want to take this moment, by the way, uh, to remind everyone who's listening, if you used to enjoy the B-Side podcast on this here podcast channel feed stream, yeah, you should know that they have their own feed now. So if you've been listening to us and been like, oh, these assholes, I only get through their dreck so I can listen to DJ Mecca tearing it up, talking about <laughs> I should have queued up that horn. Uh, tearing it up, you know, talking about the lesser known or floppy films of some of our biggest stars. How do I do that? You got to actually go and look for the B-Side podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Who are some of the people that they've talked about recently? I'm so glad you asked. Random hypothetical listener. Carrie Fisher, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey. And the most recent episode is on Harrison Ford, who is currently in theaters with the call of the wild so if you i don't want to see that still just saying i i kind of do too as a dog lover i'm a I'm yeah saying. if you no, ever thought <laughs> even if they're a tennis ball i still like dogs i mean i you can feel a little mm -hmm. less gross about it because you're like oh they didn't throw that dog into a river and make it fight <laughs> wolves you know like um so yeah if you've ever been like what's the podcast i can listen to so i can hear about like morning glory and firewall this is the one for you so check it out go to your podcatcher of choice and search for the b-side podcast from the filmstage.com extraordinary measures that that's a that's a harrison ford i'm already working around the clock 
Oh man, oh, man. Brendan Fraser apparently obviously needs a B side episode. <laughs> Most of everything that he has done, sadly, would be on that episode. Um. God, remember when he was just like the biggest star hearing about why he uh, dropped out of the, the fame game was so sad uh but i'm glad that he's back in certain ways yeah he seems like a sweetheart yeah good guy uh he he got a horse uh that was a big part yeah. of the expose thing is that he like brought the horse back from whatever he was doing and it helped him to connect with his child anyway um <laughs> go find that it's a great little uh is it G- i think it's gq maybe yeah, i think it's gq yeah Anyway, I uh, didn't realize we were going to be talking about Brendan Fraser, or I would have looked it up. We are also, as always, brought to you by Mubi, uh, the online streaming cinema. Uh, for a free 30-day trial of Mubi, all you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Uh, what is it about Mubi that makes it so great? Every day they introduce a brand new film for you to watch and enjoy. You have 30 days to watch, and then it disappears. That means there's a constantly rotating curated selection of 30 films for you to check out. So you don't have to worry about hopping on, fully intending to watch a movie, and then instead ending up saying, hey, that show Lie to Me that aired on Fox 10 years ago with Tim Roth. I think I'm going to give that a shot. Mm. <laughs> Lie to Me is a pretty decent show. It's, it's a solid B. Um, all you got to do is go to movie and you will know that they have already pre-selected for you some of the best independent world classic cinema and you can check it out. They have currently going on uh, during now the Berlin Film Festival. They're direct from the Berlinal series. You can watch a movie called The Red Phallus. This is the movie take. This visually breathtaking debut. Uh, Brian, we don't want your Google world searches. <laughs> oh, boy. You don't want to go through my Google. It's... um mostly distillery related <laughs> but there's still some stuff that's like a little sketchy when you're doing that um anyway uh swiftly dismissing the notion of being only an exotic view of bhutan uh Gelschen and actress teshring yudin craft a moving story of a rural teenager's resilience in the face of the stifling oppression of misogyny that is just one of 30 great films that are on there right now, uh, especially, again, from their direct from the Berlinale series, which is on now. So if you would like a free 30-day subscription to Mubi, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, mubi.com slash filmstage. So that's that. We've plugged everything. We've plugged our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmstage show. We've plugged Mubi. At mubi.com slash filmstage, we plugged our sister show, The B-Side, which uh, Mike and I have both been on. I'm working on it. <laughs> Who would your B-Side person, Bill, be? B-Bill. Well, I think they've already done Jeff Bridges, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, The B-Side would have to be something that I'm like well-versed in. So, hope so. I, I don't know. Raul Julia? <laughs> i mean I, yeah yeah uh i just don't know who i've like really sat down and and gone through all their fucking shit so um <laughs> because i mean let's be honest that's what the b-sides are n- not not necessarily shit but 
it's the things that people aren't as well known for. And uh, if you know anything about Bill, you know that uh, he likes watching shit that people are known for. So <laughs> that's a uh, that's a tough Bill. Bill ain't got the time for the stuff people ain't known for. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's two hours bill, or less. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're top bill for build. Tough build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Michael, you did Pierce Brosnan. I did, I did uh, Colin yeah. Farrell. You and I just yeah. working our way through handsome European men. <laughs> They're both Irish, right? Uh, yes. Cool. Yes. Colin Farrell is real fucking Irish. So. I know. Well, yes. All right. I should have said <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is also Irish, right? <laughs> yeah. if, if you watched Evelyn, you would know that. You I'm surprised that the, the I'm surprised the British let an Irishman play uh, James Bond. In all honesty, mm-hmm. <laughs> that just lets you know how far we've come as a human species. Well, wait, wait until they let a, a black man come. <laughs> Look, they've said they're willing to do that. It just cannot uh, be a woman. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, to that end, oh I am God. I'm a little upset that the rhythm section didn't do better because I would watch like four more movies starring Blake Lively as uh, Stephanie Patrick. Uh, maybe don't make her British next time. I thought she just acquitted to... herself well with her little her little <laughs> British accent. Let's do top tens. Never so let's do a top ten. <laughs> top tens are exhausting. I'm just gonna say they that up really front. are, especially with you two. <laughs> what's that supposed to mean? I mean, I know what that means, but what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> every, every every fucking year, I say let's try to keep this brief. Let's skip through these. You have like 45 seconds to tell us why you like this movie. And the both of you do like a full script read and then give a personal essay. So I will say again, we're going to try to keep this brief. We're going to try to keep this light. We're going to try to keep it moving. Well, I just closed about a half dozen tabs. Now, you feel better, Brian? (laughs) Michael had receipts. (laughs) He had a bibliography. All right, Michael. Well, you closed those tabs, so let's let you go first. What is your number 10 personal favorite film of 2019? Well, I have a small inkling that it's going to show up again in this episode. Uh, My number 10 is uh, Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. What? Uh, You think that's going to show up again? That's the craziest (laughs) thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so so we have talked about this one at length with our uh, lovely guest, Joshua Cabrita. Shit, I just said this, so now I'm going to have to remember any guests that were on any of yeah, the Yeah, I was about to say, did you do this for all of them? Because that's impressive. <laughs> it was very recent. <laughs> Start um, Googling now. <laughs> shit. Uh, anyway... Um, yeah, so A Hidden Life is uh, Malik's first uh, period film since uh, The Thin Red Line. Uh, I, what I'll say about it is, you know, it's not that I disliked the, uh, I don't know, quadrology, quadrology <laughs> of, uh, of films that were more... Um, more modern and you know dealing with the the uh, spirituality and in a time of materialism and everything like that but i think a hidden life really brought me back to malik in the sense that i found the uh it's stubborn disinterest in following uh obvious uh, the obvious martyr um, a narrative uh, incredibly compelling. Uh, I, I think that uh, the, the two main performances are, uh, are 
really fantastic and they are understated and this is weirdly a Malick movie that's a that's like an actor showcase, which it's been a very long time since that. So I, I'm sure we'll talk about this again, but um yeah, this one this one really stuck with me. Uh and I think I have a strongly different perspective on this than a lot of faithful people. Uh, <laughs> I, as it uh, came to a head in, in that episode, which I highly recommend you uh, listen to. All right. Bill Graham, your number 10 favorite film of the year. So my 10th favorite film of the year is a movie called Tiny Ladies, I think. Uh, no, uh, Little Women. Uh, Little <laughs> Women. And uh, it is absolutely delightful. I love what Greta Gerwig did with this film. Um, I had never uh, experienced any of the previous adaptations nor the original novels. And so I didn't know what to expect in this film. And uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I really, really fell for this film. Uh, one thing that you're going to hear a lot in all of these kind of top tens, for me at least, is are going to be something that I've really had like a real strong personal connection to. And so this one, uh, I just, I really, really loved it. And uh, it's been a hell of a year for Florence Pugh. And if you know anything about me, uh, Saoirse Ronan is one of my all-time favorite actresses going right now. So uh, love her to death and everything that she does. So that might actually be my B-side. Saoirse Ronan? Uh-huh. That'd be I, a cool would, one. Huh. I guess that would be like the 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 war at home. Was that one of them? Or like what yeah. we did during the war? On Chesterfield Beach. Uh, that's, uh, I still yep. have to see that. How have I let I an Ian McEwen that. adaptation slip by me? Yeah, uh-huh. I thought that was pretty interesting. I saw the children act. Uh-huh. I've yeah. seen I've seen the cement garden and the comfort of strangers. How have <laughs> I not seen on Chesterfield <laughs> Beach? I don't know. Man, I done fucked up. Uh, yeah, that's good. You should, you should like just immediately right now text Mecca and be like, I call Sersha. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do that. Good. All right. Yeah, it's, it's happened a, live it's on the podcast. This is good crossover content, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't pay for better crossover content here. All right. Well, <clears throat> it is time now for my number 10 most favorite film of the year. And it's Ad Astra. Huzzah. Uh, you may have heard Michael and I talk about Ad Astra uh, one random week when, in addition to not having a guest, we didn't have Bill. Well, I know. Super weird. It was just us two? I don't remember. Oh, no. That. I'm thinking of... Okay. Uh, 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 I fucked up. Uh, my number. I'm just going to say my number nine is Anyara, and I was looking at both of them at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Ad Astra uh, was with um, Astra. Matt Sopola. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, so, God. yes. I'm going to have to do this. All right. Yep. You better st- again, start Googling. <laughs> Ad Astra. Um, Unfortunately, for some reason, my brain was just like, yeah, 10 and 9 should totally be near pitch black posters that involve someone disappearing into space. Ad Astra. uh, Brad Pitt rocking it as an astronaut who is going uh, Heart of Darkness style deeper into our solar system out into the galaxy in order to find his father, who is believed to be targeting Earth with an energy weapon. It's a preposterous story, but the humanity on board really uh, makes this thing sing. And um, 
I don't know. You you guys know me. You should know that I'm a sucker for a sad dude trying to make good with the distant father that he had, uh, which is weird because my father is a loving man who I am very close to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this movie, uh, the set pieces are great. There's some stuff in this that you never would have believed that you would see in a movie, uh, such as a zero gravity baboon attack. And a uh, Mad Max style chase on the moon. Um, check it out. It's pretty awesome. Criminally underlooked. Underlooked? Undervalued? Any Under- of those. Under. Underappreciated. <laughs> um, it's a great movie. Check it out. Uh, Ad Astra is my number 10. I, I just want to mention to literally all the things we mentioned, as we said, have had episodes. The uh, Bill mentioned Little Women. Uh, Sarah Michelle Fetters was on for that one. I'm, oh, I'm Jesus. I'm just committing to it, guys. Every time live on air, <laughs> Michael Snydell sweating up a storm as he furiously googles Google. what our episode. This is. would be a lot easier if we gave you your, our top tips. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we didn't know this was going to be happening. <laughs> All right, number nines, Michael Snydell. Who was the guest for your <laughs> number ninth favorite movie of the year? Well, uh, we haven't done this episode yet. Oh, uh, shit. Yet? It, it is uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah! From Celine Sama, who is, uh, is a director I've liked for a really long time, uh, specifically since uh, Girlhood, which I heard about at, at Fest years ago, and then I uh, caught up with Tomboy. And... Um, She's a director who I think is really attuned to coming of age stories, but she's also very, uh, very much understands the way uh, connections and uh, desire and um, relationships build. And I think what's interesting about Portrait of a Lady on Fire is that it's its own shape and structure uh, mimics the – not only the feeling of getting to know someone, but getting to know someone in a context where it's forbidden. Uh, as you've probably heard, this is a love story. Between the greatest cinematic women. love story of all time. <sighs> Boy, uh, it, it is a it is a uh, lesbian love story. And uh, but again, what I think is interesting about this film is it, it is a film that's at first a little bit distant. It's a little bit. Uh, cold, but just as its characters are able to become comfortable with each other, uh, I, I think the film dramatically changes in every sense of the word. I think it's a little bit, it's always beautiful, but I think it's a little too blunt at times for my liking. Um, because Seidel yeah, doesn't I, like it neat, doesn't like it blunt. I, <laughs> Um, but I, I will say the film it reminded me the most of is actually Andrew Hayes' Weekend. Um, I, I know that's a contemporary film about uh, two gay men in love, and, I, and I'm not saying all of the parallels connect, but um, I just want to push it away from some of the comparisons it's gotten to things like uh, Carol or um, – Sorry. Blue is the warmest color or, or blue is the warmest color or even, you know, heavenly creatures. It, 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 it works in very, uh, it works in very intentional and very, I think, uh, ultimately very satisfying ways. Uh, and the, and the two main performances from Adele Hanel and, uh, I'm so sorry about, um, 
pronunciation and uh, Nomi Merlant are uh, they're really fantastic and it's just two actresses uh, very much in sync with the material and uh, the director who I can't recommend enough her other films which uh, are on the Criterion channel right now if uh, anyone mm-hmm. if anyone has that nice so that is a portrait of a lady on fire which we will be talking about at some point during yes. March after yeah, we talk about the not, way back probably not next week Probably two weeks. Well, next week is not March. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Next week is the Invisible Man. Um, Yes. Yes. Can't see him. Bill Graham, what is your ninth favorite film of the year? Well, uh, this one was probably a little seen as well. Uh, Transit. So uh, this one we did a podcast on early in the year. Who Uh, was the guest? Alex. Alex. Alex who? Alex Heaney. Heaney. Excellent. Um, and so I think this ended up like our number, like all of our number one, I think along with Ashes Purest, right? Uh, for like that quarter. Cause I think we, for some reason did a, a first quarter, like, like uh, what are, what are your favorite five films so far? And that must've been yeah. a sh- fucking bleak week at the movies. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, that. I wild. think it was the first half of the year. <clears throat> yes. I think it was yes. like, we were on the edge of summer and we were like, let's mm-hmm. do our top five so far. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So then, I think like, this one ended up to. like towards all of our like top, top fives and uh or the top of our top fives and uh yeah i i mean we did an entire podcast on this uh we were flabbergasted by i believe our guest because our guest had seen it like three or four times by that point and <laughs> yeah. we had just received a screener of it and we were like what the hell and he was just like yeah i saw it at a festival and then i saw it again and then i saw it at a critic screening and we were just like fucking congratulations that's <laughs> insane um uh but yeah no this is i hate saying like the less is more because that's that's so cliche but the less that you know about this film the better i think it is but at the same time give into its rhythms and uh just sit back and try not to second guess it too long because more than likely what you think is actually happening is actually happening in this film and it's it's just a whirlwind experience that i was really not prepared for going in having no fucking clue what this was about either um and i enjoyed every minute of it and uh you know some of the last scenes in this film are just absolutely heartbreaking. And yeah, I, I really, really loved this film. It's, it's stuck with me for a long time. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, it it survived almost like a full year. That's, that's pretty impressive. My ninth favorite film of the year is Anyara, which I, uh, spoiler alerted a little while ago. This movie is, um, thematically, similar to ad astra but is morally (laughs) the most (laughs) polar opposite that you could get um whereas ad astra is all about like finding humanity and uh realizing that like the emptiness of space is not anathema to like being a good person and like you know finding love and acceptance here at home anyara is all about the cold limitless expanse of space and how meaningless (laughs) we are in it this is a movie that goes places. Uh, Michael Seidel and I talked about this movie 
Um, and it led to all kinds of tangents about like my Catholicism, the concept of atheism, uh, the con- the concept of eternity, um, and then just the concept of, uh, or not the concept of, but just the fact that a lot of science fiction movies are super boring and do not take advantage of what they can do. And Anyara takes advantage of all of that. It is amazing. It is fantastic. It is streaming for free somewhere. I did not look it up. I think it's Hulu. Or Amazon. We rule at this. <laughs> I, I can't even remember like hearing about this, to be honest with you. It was, um, th- we, we watched this like right before I went on vacation. Yeah. I think is what the, what had happened. Like we tried to bank some episodes and one of them was on Yara and, um, we did it and we talked about it and it was great. And yeah, this is uh, Bill. You, I, I think you should check out this movie. I think you might like it. I think it's definitely worth your time. Pretty sure oh. it's under two hours. Yes, Anya. I was not. I, I was not as much of a fan as Brian, but I think it's a really interesting film and like a really ambitious film for. Yeah. Seems like a smaller budget. Um, yes. Please don't send me angry emails if I'm uh, wrong about that. But yeah. <laughs> the the film cost two hundred million dollars. <laughs> How uh, dare you? Two hundred million kroner. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. So Anya, it is streaming out there somewhere. Check it out. Eighth favorite movie of the year, Michael Snydell. My eighth favorite uh, movie of the year was, um, it's kind of strange because in a way it came out in 2018. That's an incredibly long title for a movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's homecoming. It is the Beyonce uh, concert film that was a high definition uh, version of the Coachella performance from 2018. So, so it, to get into this a, a tiny bit, uh, Beychella was a it was what uh, people on the internet dubbed the YouTube rips of that concert. So back in 2018, there were hundreds of people who were trying to put together a version of this concert, and it. People were talking about it in the same breath as like Stop Making Sense and Sign of the Times and, uh, you know, the the Last Waltz and these great concert films. Um, And so Homecoming is very much an HD 1080, uh, you know, pristine uh, recreation of the – two different weekends at Coachella, these, this headlining set. And, um, yeah, like I, I watch a decent number of concert films, you know, I, I feel like the last one people really talked about was the Jonathan Dem, Demi, uh, Justin Timberlake one, um, which I can't, I can't remember the name of, but it's, it is on Netflix as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just I, – I thought this was just uh, an incredibly well put together concert film. It's a, it's a wonderful spectacle. And um, I, w- I will say that I, I recommended this on our personal Slack a while ago. And uh, a few people who really you know, uh, were either fine with Beyonce or didn't have any particular uh, you know, affinity for or anything thought it was a pretty interesting um, film. So – I, I would say even if you're not a big Beyonce film uh, fan, <laughs> if you yourself are not um, a film of Beyonce, I geez. will also say I am pretty sure at least an, a snippet of Countdown shows up in it. 
I was about to say, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I did not know you were going to choose this. Countdown has just sure. become the unofficial soundtrack of our top tens because I think it's the best song. Yeah, it's a good song. Also, she reminds me a lot of uh, Audrey Hepburn in that video. So I don't think I've ever seen that video. I'm going to have to check that out after this. Oh, you got to check it out. It's so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, Bill Graham, eighth favorite film of the year. Mm. I think this one's uh going to be a, a, a fan favorite, I'm sure. Joker. Avengers Endgame. Ooh, so <laughs> look, um So Brian, uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, my eighth favorite film of the year. <laughs> so so here's here's the fun thing. Like not twenty nineteen has been a year of endings for a lot of big major franchises, right? Whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Game of Thrones, um, there's been some other endings like Watchmen. Some uh, did uh, the Americans wrap up this year? Was that this year? Or was like that, that was last year? more than this? I feel like that was a while ago. I, maybe that yeah, was okay. 2018. <laughs> there, you are right, though. It it does definitely feel like a, a year of endings. Also, I don't think- yeah, this year has been legitimately four years long so it's it makes sense that we can't quite remember <laughs> yes um it so, ended in 2018 okay and so it, it's it's funny because so many of those other shows and films watchmen excluded obviously uh because chef's kiss emoji but uh besides that one so many of these others have had so much flack uh, whether it felt like they were rushed into production, whether it felt like they just simply, you know, punted the ball uh, and tried to just get the hell out of there. Um, cough, cough, Game of Thrones. It's one of those things that really makes you appreciate when you watch it a second time or third time, as I've done, that in-game really plays by its own strokes. It you know, upset a lot of people because of its runtime, which is fucking ridiculous, but you know, that's the world we live in now. And it really tried to do things on its own terms. And I think it largely succeeds. Now there are some pitfalls. There's certainly some, some moments that you would maybe rather they hadn't gone down that route. Um, notably, Chris Hemsworth, you know, donning a fat suit to play Fat Thor, which was not exactly fun to see people just making fun of the fact that like he lost his entire family and uh, yeah, a lot of other things in his life. But beyond that, I think it really does give a very satisfying conclusion to something that was kind of impossible to do i i don't i don't want to put too much hyperbole on it but it felt very satisfying for something that shouldn't have and uh yeah it's it's probably going to be one of those few moments of these films that i'm not necessarily going to love like sitting down to watch again I still think that uh, the first uh, Avengers part one of this, if you want to call it that, uh, was a more satisfying, Infinity War was more satisfying, but this one as an ending really kind of uh, nailed it for me. So yeah, it's been a long journey and I'm happy we got what we got 
And now we have more to come, I'm sure, which is a nightmare for a lot of people, but it is what it is. Well, not to belabor that, but now that we have, you know, that now that, you know, Spider-Man's out, now that a lot of those big parts of that film are, you know, somewhat negated, even the fact that Black Widow is coming out this year. I, do, has, has well, I mean, we year? don't we don't know what Black Widow is, right? So... No, and I'm sure, I'm sure we will. Is and, it a sequel? It doesn't matter. Yeah, She's we, in the movies. We're seeing her again sure, after we thought she was gone. Sure. No, I'm, I'm just curious if, did your feelings change at all, uh, you know, in rewatching or anything, you know, later this year or anything like that? No, because I've always maintained that my reality is different than their reality, right? And so I can bring in production and I can bring in all this other shit of like, you know, why, why is this person there and what, you know, what? It it doesn't matter to me because like the reality of the film is what I'm experiencing emotionally. And so the reality is that, you know, uh, <laughs> Tony Stark dies. Uh, that can't be possibly be a spoiler for one of the biggest films of the entire year. I think also ever in just raw box office uh, without adjusting sure. for inflation. So, um, yeah, I, I mean... It, Tony Stark dies, Black Widow sacrifices herself. Like these things happen and these uh characters in the film uh play out that emotion to their end. So I find that satisfying. Now, is it satisfying to know that this giant organization, this giant machine is ongoing? Like, you know, it it churned out what 2.7 billion dollars worth of tickets and then it's just like and give us more and it's just like okay you know but no i i found it emotionally satisfying for the world that it it was playing in so yeah okay no that's that's totally fair i was just curious uh danielle zimmerman was the guest on that episode as well nice. <laughs> i prefer infinity war because half of everyone died at the end <laughs> best possible thing that could happen to that cinematic universe <clears throat> my eighth favorite film of the year is under the silver lake whoa this okay. movie rules um it's so good i remember who our guest was it was in mm-hmm. yes unforgettable guest um just uh we had a great discussion also that movie is bonkers and i loved it and I think about pieces of it every day, especially anytime I talk to anyone about politics. Um, Have you is, rewatched? I'm just curious. I did. Yes, it was. It, it held up. Uh, I think I liked it more the second time. Um, I still it? own it. I don't I don't know how I can like I own it digitally, so I can't like give it away. But yeah, I still own it. <laughs> I um, Yeah, this movie is just so cool. Uh, the scene with the dude at the piano is unmatched for sheer sheer bonkersness and um there was a there was a moment after the new star wars film was released where there was this weird conspiracy theory about how like disney sabotaged jj abrams so that like warners wouldn't take him to like do something else and i was just like man that's some real under the silver lake (laughs) level thinking going on with these reddit motherfuckers like starting at galaxy brain (laughs) yeah just like what if your entire life was galaxy brain and it's just like uh that means you're crazy and maybe you should my favorite my favorite moment is still in that movie where he's in the the uh the the bath with all the tomato juice and says i guess whole little like rambling speech about like 
if everything's so important, like it must be connected, like there has to be something. And then he realizes that the woman he's speaking to is like almost on the verge of tears. And he says, oh, that's not normal, is it? And then another two hours of the movie happens because he's still crazy. Um, Movie rules. Uh, It's very funny. I liked it quite a bit. And um, I, I wish that it had gotten a bigger release. But I think this is one of them films that the people who need to see it are going to find it. So yeah, that's me under the silver lake. Uh, let us move on to our lucky number seven, Michael Snydell. It's your seventh favorite uh, movie of the year. My seventh favorite movie of the year is a movie that absolutely no one is talking about, obviously, and it's the Safdie Brothers' uh, Uncut Gems. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, guys, what, what the fuck else can we say about Uncut Gems at this point? Um, was not yeah, nominated for Oscars. It was not nominated for Oscars. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good movie. Uh, the Safties are someone. Uh, they're uh, I've I've liked them for a while. Um, I I thought Heaven Knows What was a, a very pleasant nightmare, and um, a good time was in my top ten for whatever year that was. I, I think this is a, a really interesting evolution for them in the sense that uh, it is just spinning so many damn plates at the same time. Uh, there's so many things imploding and it's it's a film that is interested in the insane arcane inside baseball part of gambling but it also manages to be this uh, propulsive, um, just chaotic, uh, you know, insistent thriller about uh, Adam Sandler as a, a a guy who's just the physical embodiment of a shark. Someone who, if he stopped moving for even a second, he would just cease to exist. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a great performance and it's a film that I, I will say to you that uh, with each time I watch it I realize how much the craft is there from the editing to the uh, incredible little details that are given to all of these supporting characters like everyone from Eric Bogosian to Julia Fox who the internet has a slight crush on um, yeah, yeah it's it's a really good movie. A lot of people will probably tell you to see it, uh, including our guest for that episode, Jesse Hassinger. <laughs> nice. Well, well done, Brian. That that was Michael that said that. Yeah, I know. I know. We're all not at our top right now. Are we? No. Um, no. <laughs> all right. Bill Graham, seventh favorite film of the year. Woo. So uh, this is going to be another franchise film. Toy Story 4. Um, what the fuck? This movie is fucking great. It's, I love it. That was our most profane episode of the year somehow. And you are talking about it now and you've already said fuck twice. <laughs> what is wrong with us as people? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. Um, this is, this is fun. Uh, yeah. Toy Story 4 is wonderful. I really, really dug Toy Story 3. I thought it was an immensely satisfying, uh, (coughs) conclusion to this franchise. And then they done and did another one. And I was like, no, no, no. And then I saw it. And then I was like, yes, yes, yes. Give me more. Um, I can't imagine that, you know, 
ongoing what what was it what did we find out you know i think it was like 20 years ago was the first one and they've just pumped one of these out every three or four years for the last 20 years and it's incredible that they have managed to find staying power that they've managed to find new ways to add to this mythology and this world and it doesn't feel tired it 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 really like Bo Peep's entire journey and arc in this film is fantastic. Um, I've never been more scared of ventriloquist dummies than this film. Um, it's really is a masterwork and I, I cannot wait to see this again. I saw it twice in theaters. I think I saw it back to back weekends because, uh, some of my friends hadn't seen it and I had already seen it with my, uh, fiance. And so I was just like, yeah, I'll go see this again. And I bawled like a little baby again. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just so satisfying in so many ways. The action is really, really good. And, it's uh, got a Keanu performance who uh, may show up again uh, later this evening. So, yeah. Thank you again to Monica Castillo, who helped <laughs> us earn that explicit tag on that episode. <laughs> she was all for it. All right. <clears throat> My seventh favorite film of the year. I chose just to piss off Michael. It's 1917. Sam Mendes. Uh, the movie designed to look as though it were done in one take during a specific uh, one-day period in World War One. This is a beautiful, stirring, engrossing, powerful movie that is all about the terror and the hopelessness of war and the power of one person to do very little to change things, but how important those things may be. Uh, we had a whole episode about this. Uh, it was kind of sort of like a favorite for the Oscars. And then I think it got away with just a couple technical things. Uh, but I believe that this movie will hold up. And I think that people are going to keep watching it and uh, discovering it and enjoying it. And it's very good. And I liked it. Uh, that's my thoughts on 1917. Who do we have on for that one, Michael? That was Robin Barr. All right. Robin's Robin become like a favorite so quickly. <laughs> I mean, after that, uh, after that, Mister Rogers episode. Oh my God! How could she not be? <laughs> Thank oh. you, Robin, for continuing to come on. We're gonna have her on again soon. <sighs> Don't know when. Uh, Michael Slidell, your sixth favorite film of the year. Well, Brian, you kind of put me up on a tee because my uh, my sixth favorite film of the year is Long Day's Journey Into Night. I was I was features... hoping that you were going to say 1917 and that we would have a <laughs> shouting match, even though we agree with each other, <laughs> which has a 59 minute long take. What? That's not but Michael, pointless and annoying. Um, and so. So here's here's the thing about a long day's journey into night. It is uh, Begon's um, follow up to uh, Kylie Blues, which uh, speaking of Criterion Channel, I think is still on there. Oh my god, it, yeah, it is on Criterion Channel, and so is Long Day's Journey into Night. Uh, I will say it is not on 3D there. Uh, so 
if you've heard about the game of this film, there is a 59 minute 3D long take uh, that comes at the end of the film. But um, this isn't a film that is a spectacle for spectacle's sake. Uh, what I really like about this film is it feels enamored with the possibilities of technology and uh, and the notion of the line between dreams and reality. And um, yeah, it, it's just a it, it's a wonderful uh, aesthetic experience. And, um, I, I never felt like it was, you know, trying to, uh, do a magic trick in front of me, or I never felt like it was, uh, you know, micromanagers who just wanted to, you know, etch their name into history, like other films that were just mentioned, but hey, how um, dare you say that about Toy Story 4? <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I really like this film. I went to see it twice in theaters because the first time I saw it in theaters, the 3d didn't work. <laughs> so then I went the next week and the 3d worked. So yeah, but the problem is I didn't know right at the beginning because the film is about, uh, it's about like two hours, 35 minutes. So it wasn't until that last 59 minutes where I'm like, Hey, these 3d classes are <laughs> seeming to work. So, um, yeah, that, kind of sucked but the movie's really good um and yeah i'm not gonna call out the theater chain but that was some bullshit and they should give me a refund um yeah it's like when a person what, eats what are a they gonna do is like it wasn't good i want my money back I, they gave me 3d glasses though <laughs> no 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 what, what i'm gonna say what i was gonna say is what are they gonna do like like search you up on Facebook and be like, Oh, that Michael Snydell banned for life. Like, no, <laughs> maybe it's a local chain and he doesn't want to like, you know, one bad thing to, I don't know. We have uh, a platform. Okay, right, we have to respect right. that's, that. That's, They're fair. that's fair. I don't really want to. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There you go. I, I knew it was going to be that. So it's an apticon. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking AMC. Anyways. <laughs> AMC, uh, maybe. Anyway, I don't know. Um, to Bill Graham, number six, the most favorite film of the year. Number six for me, American Factory. So uh, we also did a podcast on this. Um, and yeah, this film uh, really, really landed for me. Uh, it's a documentary. And it's all about this small or not small, Jesus, no, a uh, large factory that basically shut down in Ohio and was reopened by a conglomerate kind of company out of China that uh, basically makes auto manufacture glass and uh, trying to retrofit and trying to bring over their culture and their ideas and their technology to America and make it work here in the U.S. And uh, it's kind of a disaster. And <laughs> it's a fascinating look at this culture clash of not only just like pure culture, but also how workers work over there, how they're treated over there, how they treat their own company, um, and the pride they take in that, that is almost like a, I think I compared it 
when I watched it to like a uh, going to a big time university and like falling for their sports team. Right. And just going to all the games and knowing the chance and wearing the colors and doing, you know, all of that shit showing up to game day. And yeah, that's basically what it felt like to witness these Chinese workers with their company. They were like fans of their company to a degree that uh, government just, mandated fans. Yes. Uh, you just don't see uh, replicated here in the U S very often. Um, you know, y- you hear every now and then some companies have this kind of culture just because their, their employees are treated so well. Uh, but unfortunately that is few and far between uh, here in the U S unless it's, you know, a, a smaller, maybe a mom and pop or, you know, something, something smaller than a uh, maybe let's say a Walmart or an Amazon or I don't know, uh, any one of those companies, right? You know, Just, usually it's places like we work or away luggage, which always mm-hmm. end well. Yeah. Container store. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, you, you were going fails. Yes. Yes. I'm going, yes. Fail. I'm going like, you know, the the Chinese the way that those the the uh the the Chinese workers in that yeah movie pass yeah it's it I'm going for all the places where it's like come work for us we're a family we have parties by the way you were expected to work twenty hours a day and you cannot take holidays mm-hmm. you will and it's like the Chinese where they're like yeah we're a family and that's why you don't have to ever see your real family again live in our public yeah. housing. It is it is heartbreaking to watch. Uh, I appreciated the fact that this film uh, gets access to both sides of the equation and really does try and show like how the Chinese come over here and they're like, no, this should work. And the Americans are like, no, that's not going to work. And you just see this kind of stalemate where they just cannot understand each other right they're they're just going right past each other and uh it's really interesting to see uh that play out on screen in a i think a fairly fair manner so yeah thank you to josh and senius who joined us who is a uh, regular film stage contributor and uh has a really excellent interview uh with the Mm, uh mm -hmm. directors uh jeff reichert and um Oh my, I'm sorry. Uh, And um, I was going to say his wife, which is even worse. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, what? So now two people can't work together unless they're in love? Or I guess, you know, you don't have to be in love with someone to be their wife. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Julia. No, Julia Reichert and Steve, Stephen Bogner. So yeah. Good times. That's staying in. Um. My Double it. <laughs> God damn it, Bill. Stop <laughs> trying to make us blank check. Um, my sixth favorite film of the year is Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. Oh, yes. This movie is a tough watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> it is so good, though. Uh, this movie is a tale of Tasmanian wilderness colonization. Horrible people. Uh, just all kinds of nonsense. The, the multifaceted levels of racism that mankind has utilized to keep people under the thumb of various governments and power structures. 
Um, it is also beautifully shot, which only makes the horrors shown that much more horrifying. And uh, yeah, this this is a this is a hell of a movie. Um, this is a movie that like I feel like it's its desire to not offend anyone hurt it. Um, the the fact that its marketing was almost like, hey guys, we're really sorry we're doing this to you. <laughs> it was not the way to go. I think they should have just released it. I think they shouldn't have given trigger warnings on all of their publicity emails. I think that they scared people away who probably need to see a movie like this. And uh, that is a fucking shame because this movie is great. I was furious that as uh, the end of the year list started coming out that I didn't see it on more. Um, in a perfect world, uh, Jennifer Kent probably would have gotten a uh, Best Director nomination. Um the lead actress probably should have gotten best actress. Uh, it's a two-hander, but I assume that the 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 co-star in this would have gotten supporting actor. I mean, there's just not a single bit of this that I wasn't like, oh boy, oh man, this is going to come back hard at the end of the year and we're all going to be talking about the Nightingale. But we're a nation of cowards, and so barely anyone saw this movie. Uh, the Nightingale, it's out there. Um, I am trying to neg you into watching it, so do that. Yikes. Uh, thank you to Jordan Serrells who joined us for that episode. Yes. Uh, also, that was one of my favorite episodes of the year. Yes, that was also one of my favorite episodes. That was a really good episode. Yeah. We nailed really it. Good. Nailed it, guys. We, we should all just a round of applause for us <laughs> for how we talked about the Nightingale. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, that's going to show up on my like honorable mentions, but yeah, tough tough watch, but man, it is good. I think that's the only reason that it was a little I mean, first of all, my top 5 are movies that like I I have watched multiple times. Um mm-hmm. and The Nightingale, I think I was like, I don't know if I can watch it again yeah. immediately. Um but it's I'm it's I'm going to watch it again. I it's not one of those movies that you're like, "Oh boy, like <laughs> it's a real only watch it once." Like I do want to revisit no. it. It, but, it is um, yeah. it, it is a tough tough movie to invite somebody over and be like, hey, let's watch this. <laughs> hey, girl, you want to come and hang out and oh, watch the Nightingale with me? Um, when when I was a, a bastard, uh, when I was a young man who was like, I need to know if this this relationship is going to last. I used to spring movies on people mm. and uh, see what the reaction would be. So oh, like, funny games, elephant. I was like, hey, come and watch this great movie with me and if you could get through it i was like you've done it hooray we've done it and that's a terrible way to live your life and so any teenagers <laughs> listening don't do that um yeah though even though bad. i've said that ironically great conversations still friends with many of the people i did that to <laughs> <laughs> but in general that's a terrible way to live your life uh let's uh we're at the halfway point uh how's everyone doing are we still good yeah doing good yeah we're yeah. moving fairly quickly very glad it's to hear that let's keep it very up. weird <laughs> Keep it up, gentlemen. Uh, Michael Snydell, your fifth most favorite movie of the year. Yeah, I I, I don't want to want to pick favorites, but uh, that is literally I, I actually, why we're here. <laughs> I know, I know. Another one of my favorite conversations this year uh, revolved around this film, which is uh, Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. Uh, Bill, I, I know you joined me for this one. Uh, Brian, you weren't mm-hmm. on this one, were you? I was not. I think my grandmother died. That's mm. a very reasonable reason. Um. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Brian, did you did you catch up with this? I did I, not. I remember you didn't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Manuel Betancourt was our uh, 
our guest, and he was wonderfully knowledgeable about this film. So Elmina Bavar is someone who I always generally like. Um, I, I always... I, I always like his brand of melodrama, even though, you know, more recently it's been a little bit more sober when you look at something like Julieta. Um, and um, or, or I guess what I should rather say is these days he kind of has two main modes, either this more sober melodrama or this more, uh, you know, colorful, uh, riotous, uh, like, you know, dark comedy. Um, you know, something like The Skin I Live In, for instance, which is feels weird to call a comedy, but uh, I digress. Anyway, uh, Pain and Glory is pretty interesting in the sense that uh, it has a very interesting narrative in the sense that it is uh, like a lot of Almodovar's films. It's an autofiction, but this one is very specifically about an ailing director who is kind of trying to find his uh, joy de vivre. Um, for uh, direction while kind of drifting through the past, um, through his past loves and losses and um, also kind of uh, nursing, you know, um, an addiction to uh, painkillers and heroin. And this, like a lot of Amador of our films, has a very interesting uh, view of, uh, of uh, you know, like the uh, – this very – um, a narcotic quality to the film in terms of both how it handles memory as well as it's kind of more, um, you know, it, it, less judgmental uh, show of um, drug use. It, and it's, it's really fascinating in the way that it jumps back and forth between um, – between uh, the present, you know, as, he, as again, he's trying to find that passion again and the past where he uh, um, has a, a very formative relationship with his mother, played by Penelope Cruz. And a um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a, it's a wonderful film. I somehow I haven't mentioned Antonio Banderas, who is might be giving the career or excuse me, the performance of his career. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a gorgeous film and one that, uh, just, it's just grown richer that the more and more I've thought about it throughout the year. Um, and yeah. Uh, and then finally, a final shout out to, uh, Asier Azienda and Leonardo Sabaraglia, who are uh, two of the supporting cast that I horribly butchered their names. Um, <laughs> and who, um, Asier especially has one of the best scenes of the year where he uh, reunites with Antonio Banderas's character uh, and they get you know one final um, one, one final uh, you know uh, embrace and kiss before they'll you know potentially never see each other again spoilers uh, god damn it <laughs> not really though like it, it's very much a slice of life film like there's not really pivotal moments in a way you'd expect. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful film. I hope more people see it. And I, I really, really enjoyed our two conversations about almost of our films this year, pain and glory and, uh, women. Oh my God. Uh, women on the, uh, woman on the verge. No, it was timey up, timey down. 
Oh, God damn it. You're right, Brian. I also watched that one. Time me up. I was there for that. My grandmother hadn't died yet. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Yes. And time me up. Time me down. Look, I'm one of those people. If I don't joke about it, it makes me sad. Um, (laughs) I understand. I have have an embarrassing uh, admission to make. I continuously forgot this year that this movie existed. Um, Only because every time I read the title Pain and Glory... My brain immediately went, oh, that movie with The Rock and Mark Wahlberg. And then it would be like, no, that's Pain and Gain. And then I'm like, oh, right. No, that's the James Gray one. (laughs) Pride and and Glory? No, that's Pride and Glory. Jesus. Right. Wait, that's the Gavin O'Connor one. Oh, it is Gavin O'Connor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's the the James Gray one? That's We Own the Night, isn't it? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where you're going. It was just like, my brain just kept was like, it's those two movies together. Like, why do you keep misremembering which movie this is? And I think that my brain just short circuited every time I read the title. Um, so that's my fault. But I do want to catch up with this and I'm looking forward to it, uh, especially because, uh, as I said, I've only ever seen one Almodovar and it was for this show and I quite enjoyed it. And that also had yes. Antonio Banderas in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All right, Bill that Graham. Was, that was the point. Uh, Michael, this is. This will be easy for you. Uh, my number five is also Pain and Glory. What How about the shit? That? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, this might this be a first movie, ever for us that yeah. someone did the same thing on the same number. Yeah. yeah we don't I even think, usually get that many be. crossovers just no, in general. No. no. Uh, this movie is fucking fantastic. It really is. It's beautiful in so many different ways. Um, I could not be happier for myself by choosing tie me up tie me down at like pushing us into that for our classic (laughs) episode and then having this come right after um it was really just like a a beautiful double feature that i ended up kind of uh experiencing and yeah it's seeing those two films back to back are really fascinating and uh you know, if you hopefully have some experience with Almodovar, then this one will really land for you. But also, if you don't, if you are a rookie, if you have seen maybe one or two of his films or none, like, it's okay. You can watch this and still be enraptured and still be enthralled by it. It really is beautiful. It's a great piece of cinema. It's uh, and it, it's a nice little book into a film like Roma that we also touched on. Um, it's yeah, it, it's just really, really good. And I was really happy to see Antonio uh, get nominated. Although you know, I don't think he would. He stood a chance to win against uh, Brad Pitt. If I'm not, or no, he would, would have been. Uh, uh, lead right um yeah yes. no that's not gonna happen against Joaquin either uh yeah he he ran into a buzzsaw there so uh but no it's it's fantastic it's worth every minute of it and I think it I think it runs like 210 220 if I'm not mistaken maybe maybe a little shorter maybe a little bit longer um yeah, yeah. so it's fantastic worth worth every minute all right mine my number 10 my number 10 oh my god <laughs> guys have i told you that uh, starting a distillery is very difficult and very tiring <laughs> it sounds it yeah um 
I mean, Brian, are you drinking on the job? <laughs> I am not. In fact, today it wouldn't have mattered if I if I was because we didn't actually make any alcohol today. We made the mash, so I would have just been eating a bunch of porridge, basically. What What's really fun about alcohol production when you get on <laughs> the other side of things is you start to realize, like, you know, I dabbled in homebrew and stuff like that, and you're like, okay, I did all this work today, and when do I get to enjoy this? Oh, in four to six weeks this is miserable like what the fuck is like i I don't even know if this is good or not and now i gotta wait so (laughs) yeah you make you make the mash then you put the yeast in it you let the yeast feed on it to turn the the the, uh the the sugars into alcohol and then you distill the alcohol now you can drink that but it is not the alcohol you were expecting it to be then you gotta put it in a right yeah that's the white lightning um and then you gotta, and then you gotta put it in a barrel. So everything I'm making now, I won't be able to touch for eight months. So yes. Anyway, uh, not drinking on the job. My number five movie of the year is Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Mm. This okay. is a tiny film uh, by Henry Dunham. It's on uh, VOD right now. You should check it out. This is a who's who of great character actors like Chris Mulcahy, Brian Garrity, Patrick Fischler. Um, however, the person that you probably could have heard that this person was the star of this movie and been like, oh yes, Brian Rowan will 100% have that on his top 10 of the year list. It's James Badgedale, the good old JBD, my man. Um, love James Badgedale. He is a fantastic in this movie, which is basically situated on his point of view for the whole damn movie. Is a Brian, you didn't say Rubicon yet. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I watched like the first three episodes of Rubicon and I think I wasn't able to watch anymore because I'm like using my brother-in-law's AMC. But I do want to see Rubicon. Uh, oh, Brian, I, that show is main for you. <laughs> I know. I was watching it. I was like, he's fixing a motorcycle in his room and he's crazy maybe, but maybe he's not. There's a shamrock for some reason. obsessed with conspiracy theories that are maybe true, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole thing is like, what if I someone paid me to do my crazy conspiracy thing in a nondescript building in like Queens? And I was like, oh no, this is my life. This is what I want. I can't watch this anymore because this is how people felt when they watched Mad Men and they were like, I could wear cool suits and drink all the time. I was like, I can be just a guy who has no friends and obsesses over my new show. <laughs> But anyway, the standoff at Spare Creek, uh, it's like a <laughs> micro budget thriller. It's super good. It's really well acted. The writing is sharp and it takes place in a single environment. It is a lumber yard and I will never look at lumber yards the same way again. This is just a great movie, a great calling card for Henry Dunham. Good use of space, good use of sound, good use of light. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a great movie for our times. So that's the standoff at Sparrow Creek. Uh, you should check it out on VOD if you haven't. It's a taut, brief little thriller that doesn't overstay its welcome. Number four favorite film of the year, Michael Snydell. Uh, my number four uh, is another uh, is another not another. Yeah, no, it is another film. <laughs> That uh, we have not done an episode on, and it is uh, Asako One and Two from uh, Raisuke uh, Hamaguchi. So this was a this was a film that um, 
I, I especially heard about at festivals back in 2018. And um, I was a I was very late to Happy Hour, which was uh, Hamaguchi's. It's not his breakout. I know that he's had like six movies before that, but that's where I heard about him. So that yeah. movie's fucking eighteen hours or something. It's only four and a half, Bill. Um, anyway, uh, Happy Hour. I was was one that uh, deals with one of the, kind of my favorite themes which is the notion of how relationships uh you know rise and fall uh, in relation with with time um and so the the basic concept uh, or excuse me yeah the basic concept of asuka one and two is it's uh it's about a woman named asako who uh falls like becomes infatuated with a man named baku and they start a relationship and then he disappears. And two years later, uh, Asako's like moved on with her life and she meets uh, someone else named Ryohei, who is identical to Baku, but completely different in personality. And that is the tagline. That's <laughs> like, that's kind of the whole movie is the how she is in between these two people who have entirely different personalities and the weird kind of um, like unexplainable way that you gravitate away and towards people and the ways that um, ways that these, these events are, you know, I almost feel supernatural at, at a certain point. In a way, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Burning in the sense that it's really obsessed with, again, uh, this idea of doubling. But it's also really interested in almost this psychological riddle of, of how this woman can kind of go back and forth between these two men who look exactly the same but act completely different. Uh, it's also just a gorgeous uh film like it, it it it's it reminds me of the not necessarily the formal uh choices but the energy of kind of a uh, a french new wave film it, it has this wonderful uh conversational quality and uh, again it's just it's a beautifully constructed film uh, uh like especially the way for instance like an earthquake factors into uh the structure of the film um yeah it's it's really wonderful i'm not sure if it's available on any streaming service at the moment i do know happy hour is actually available on prime in two parts uh it's it's like semi weird how it just like ends and <laughs> picks up, but I, I can uh, I can attest that it's a, a pretty easy way to watch that and it's absolutely worth the time. So yeah, uh, Asuka one and two was my number four. I am going to see this movie very soon because that sounds awesome. The second you yeah, said that... two people who look exactly alike but act very differently, I was like, oh, well, that's just my genre, right? Like <laughs> enemy. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not quite a it's not quite a thriller. Like I want to be sure. clear. I'm about fine that, with that. It, yeah, is, no, it is very much like a stunt. As soon as, as soon as you said burning as well, I was like, Oh, yes, give me that again. But again, not a thriller. <laughs> yeah. But then again, burning I don't think was really a thriller for most of its runtime. No. 
No, I, I and I want to be clear. Like it's again, it's not it's not quite the same as burning, but I no. felt a similar sense of uh, a similar sense of confidence just in how Hamaguchi is telling that story. And, and Michael, let us exactly let us be excited. Yeah, right, stop trying go. to temper our God damn it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when we like stuff you're like oh i didn't like it and then you like stuff and we're like oh man you're right that does sound good and you're like uh i don't know no i can only like things guys god i know i like it but it probably sucks uh i'm sorry <laughs> my friends used to call me eeyore you know but i think they had it wrong because i think michael is eeyore i think i'm more like a suicidal tigger Oh boy. Anyway, um, Bill Graham, your fourth favorite film of the year. Need a suicidal tick. Never mind. <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm glad that you the finally boot. decided to address what I said. I don't, I don't know who I am in this. I don't know. You're like Anyways, Christopher um, Robin. <laughs> Bill's Christopher Robin. <laughs> Jesus. I okay. don't know. I don't know that much about Winnie the Pooh to be honest. Jordan is Kanga. DJ Mecca is Rue. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's talk about a movie that we will probably not talk about for another month. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Hey, Uh, we do not have a podcast guest for this yet uh, because we haven't done the podcast. So, um, yeah, uh, no, I I still think this is a 2019 release. Fuck it. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's a. it is what it is. I really, really loved this film. Um, hyperbole aside, uh, yeah, I, I watched it again last night, actually. And um, I really cranked up the volume and I was struck by the fact that, like, I would say 90% of this film uh, basically doesn't have a score. It's a very, very spare and austere film in a lot of ways. Uh, But I think there's a lot to be gleaned from it. I think the romance at the center of it is really beautiful. I think the way it's shot, uh, especially upon second viewing, is remarkable. I think the use of music in this is really just it highlights what what music really was back in the day that we now kind of really take for granted and the idea that art is something to be uh savored instead of just something to be seen and disposed of um yeah and you know again this touches a little bit on kind of little women in a lot of ways in how uh women as artists are uh you know still long suffering and uh they really had a raw deal but uh every now and then there are some breakthrough artists and there are some breakthrough women and that really kind of forged their own path and this film is remarkable for uh highlighting that uh even though it's not from my understanding not a true story um but you know uh still it's wonderful and and fantastic i'm grappling with i'm grappling with the idea of a breakthrough woman just like an awards show and it's like this year's winner breakthrough woman of the year (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh god i'm so tired all right number four for me it's knives out 
by Ryan Johnson. Um, this movie is a hoot and a holler, I will say. Uh, this is like the, the uh, well, no, Under the Silver Lake is 100% a comedy. <laughs> I was going to say it's the only comedy on my list. Um, but this is a funny-ass movie. And not only that, it's clever. It's fun in addition to just being funny. All of the actors are clearly having a ball. Um, I was going to say, you know, it's an original Sequel. story. But so many of these that I've actually done are original stories. So I guess that's not really a standout. But I mean... In the fact that it was so successful, as Bill said, it is getting a sequel. So yeah, this movie, good times. Um, Benoit Blanc is a is a fantastic character. Who the first time I watched the movie I was like, he doesn't do much of anything, does he? And then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh no, he does everything. He's just so bored by his own powers of deduction that he just waits for something fun to happen. And when it does, he is so excited that it becomes infectious to the audience. And results in a speech that I still cannot even begin to attempt to try to replicate. Donuts um, are awesome. There's a donut with a hole in it. And you need a donut <laughs> hole to put into the donut hole. But the donut hole has a hole in it. Yeah, see, it just doesn't work. Because I'm not Daniel Craig. And I don't have yeah. a script by Ryan Johnson in front of me. Yeah. But yeah, Knives Out. I was expecting to like this movie. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. I really, really did. And uh, it's kind of a meme by now. But yeah, this is one of the best final moments, like final Mm -hmm. shots of a film this year. Uh, Except for my number three, which also has a spectacular final shot. So we'll get into that. Uh, But first, Michael Snydell, your number three favorite movie. What what, what are you oh my godding about? I think, Brian, I think we have the same number three. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Uh, is it Martin Scorsese's The Irishman? Yes, it is. What? This is a this this has never happened before. I mean, like it happened, you know, two things ago. But like, that's weird that it happened so many times in a single episode after never having happening before. I there's still a possibility that this is actually going to be my number one years three from years now. from now you're gonna come up and just be like fuck it oh my god i made a mistake Can we yeah, like putting it in <laughs> it was only third oh no <laughs> uh yeah this uh this <laughs> where do i where do i start with the irishman like the, the irishman is well you gotta go back to 1942 <laughs> oh my it's it is such a it's at once a, a in, incredible dissection of uh, Scorsese's entire career. It's a uh, it, it's a, a phenomenal uh, it, it's a, a phenomenal um, coherence of uh, special effects choices, formal choices, and content. It's uh, it's that there's three towering uh lead performances um this is just a movie that from beginning to end uh it feels like an, an encapsulation of just uh decades of history um like I, I still thinking about this film and all of the things it dabbles in um in terms of not just uh, these personal relationships, but also like the historical implications, the uh, the spiritual, the psychological 
influence on these people's families. And it's also an incredible film about people who think that they matter and don't at all. Like it's, yeah, this, this film is, is amazing. And if I would have watched it again, I probably would have put it even further up, but, um, I, yeah, it's it's a fantastic film, and for uh, my money, one of the best things the uh, not exactly inconsistent Scorsese has put out this decade. Yeah, um, I'm just and, gonna uh, Matt Sapola uh, joined us for that episode. Yep, uh, I'm just gonna because you know we have the same one and we know it. I'm gonna say everything Michael Snydell said. I agree with, which is crazy. And, um. I know. Fuck. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic movie that is three hours long, but I watched it twice in the space of three days. So, I mean, that's legitimately insane of me to do that, but it's so good. And now that we're talking about it, I just want to go and put it on again. It's also super entertaining. Like I made it's, it sound. That's yeah. the craziest part is that like you hear it's like a three hour movie, but like it whizzes by and it's so good yeah. and it's so fun. And Scorsese just has an energy and a style and you know you can't discount you know his editor Velma she's just fantastic and like we got the hustle this year which is not a bad movie hustlers. but it's definitely is it the hustlers? hustlers yeah yeah hustlers. i'm sorry we also yeah. got the hustle this year but that is a completely different movie oh my <laughs> god we did yes All right, continue sorry <laughs> so we got hustlers this year which is definitely trying to be a scorsese movie in a way which is fine because you know he's influenced a lot of people and that's not a bad thing that's certainly not a knock on that movie which we all enjoyed but the irishman just shows like you know you can't beat the king like the the master is the master for a reason and it takes a lot to be the master and Martin Scorsese is the master and this movie is just fantastic and it's uh it's really good and it's fan it's it's great I don't know there's not enough accolades in the world to talk about how just a stellar the Irishman is and yes that final shot as I said is just incredible Brian why did we make it number three then <laughs> um because the two movies that I have before it are right. also very good movies and I don't know right. what to tell you Michael Snydell uh, all right fair enough that's I mean is it my turn yet all, it's yeah. almost your turn Bill but I'll just say as a spoiler for what my number one is as though anyone who's ever listened to any episode of this show needs it in a year where a certain director puts a movie out you just know that it's gonna be my number one her smell yeah that's it <laughs> yeah uh i'm gonna say it's her smell and then i'm gonna kill myself on air <laughs> top 25 <laughs> no that was a different movie yeah. uh, uh, my number three is john wick three how about that well, look at you was it like number two and then you were like i can't do this i have to put it back one <laughs> Oh, I didn't even think about that until just now. Yeah. Uh, nope. That's not why. Uh, just because I love it this much, but my top two are my top two. Um, yeah, this movie fucking rocks. Uh, there is a knife fight in the middle of this gun-fu action film that is hands down one of my favorite moments that I've ever seen on the big screen. I just sat there and giggled afterwards. And I also think I giggled in the middle of it. And I was like, this is impossible. This doesn't make any sense. These action choreographers are fucking madmen. And they pulled it off. And 
this movie is very fucking messy, like real fucking messy as far as the plot. Um, Angelica Houston tries to pull off a Russian accent at some point. Uh, this movie goes real bananas. And then you get sequences like the knife fight or the dogs or uh, the horse uh, stall. Um, all throughout this movie, the action is just absolutely flawless. And, you know, considering that John Wick 1 and 2 really set the benchmark to me for just like how pure and fun action can be and how well shot, the fact that this film takes it up a notch from the first opening fight and just continues to go upward is insanity. They've they've worked in people that are legendary like either B movie uh action stars or like legends onto themselves with the guys from the raid and all these other things. They've weaved them in. Uh Boban, a uh kind of famous NBA player known for his gigantic stature, makes an appearance in this film and is actually really good and fun. And it's just like I don't understand how these guys continue, or I guess, no, yeah, it's no longer guys. It's just, just uh, guy. yeah, just guy now. Um, I don't understand how he just continuously one-ups himself, and it's remarkable and fascinating, and I love this franchise to death, and I cannot wait for more. Yeah, this is like the, it's the, it's the strangest thing of like the i just am still blown away by like the mythology you know it's like mm-hmm. you see you see an action movie and you're like okay so the next time it's gonna be like they're gonna kill his parakeet or something right and this movie's like no we're really gonna dig into that continental thing and it's gonna yeah. work somehow yeah and and so the good. fact that like all of this happens in like a three-week span yeah, basically for john wick time. yeah it's it's been a rough couple of weeks for mr wick just a little bit um yeah i mean he's his his wife is still warm in the ground like if you really think about how long yeah yeah i mean it's it's funny because like someone mentions a dog to him in this film and he's like i get it and you're like oh wait this for us it's happened over like the course of four years but for him it's happened in the course of like you know a week or something like that. It has not most. been. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's not been very long. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. All right, Michael Snydell, your second favorite film of the year, the first loser. What is it? <laughs> the first loser. Nice. Yeah, so um, first loser. So, uh, my second favorite film of the year is Ashes Purest White, which is the uh, latest film uh, from uh, filmmaker or Chinese filmmaker uh, Jia Zenki. Um, so, he is a filmmaker that I uh, really got introduced to in the last uh, year and a half to two years, and he's uh, quickly become one of my favorites. It, it, as I think he uh, is fantastic at. Um, charting the change of um, particular areas in in, in China over long periods of time. Uh, Again, this is another film about 
how uh, a central relationship changes over time. In this case, it's about the uh, a, a uh, I can just say I don't have to say a gangster's mall. I can just say a mall, right? <laughs> I would say again. You could say a gangster's mall. All right. Well, it's about how a uh, major gangster and his uh, uh, Mal are in a relationship for a while and essentially something happens and she gets uh, sent to jail. And um, by the time she comes back, it it turns out that this guy didn't want to wait for her. So uh, it, it is in a sense just about that relationship, but it's also about the effects of globalization and uh, in conversation uh, with the entirety of Jaws films. Uh, I, w- one example that I want to point out is uh, his, his uh, another of his uh, fantastic films, Still Life, uh, takes place in the um, the uh, Shenzhen uh, province I'm so sorry to any Chinese speakers. Um, and it, it is actually completely flooded in this film. And there are many other little footnotes that just kind of fully add to this uh, as a full world. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really powerful film that I I saw back uh, at a festival back in uh, 2018 and it's still stuck with me as, as one of the best films and perhaps one of the best films from uh, Ja, who I, I really think is um, one of the best filmmakers of the, of the decade. Um, so yeah, I hope people check that out. It is on Amazon prime and thank you to Sean Gilman who joined us for that and joined us last week for Sean the sheep farmageddon. <laughs> <laughs> he's got range that Gilman. He does. No, who was our guest for wick? Oh no. Thanks bill. It's Courtney. It's Courtney Howard. There was no guest for knives out. No, oh, that's crazy. Uh, Courtney Howard was the John wick. Uh, okay. Yep. Thank you, bill. I'm sorry. I, I no, no, forgot. no, no. Bill's just like, no, it's fine. I just want to make sure we're not. <laughs> All right. Bill Graham, number two for favorite film of the year. Oh, y'all don't want to double team on this one? I did not choose Ashes Purest White. No. <laughs> uh, so my number two is Knives Out. How about that? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is delightful, delightful, delightful. Uh, I was spoiled by the fact that uh, I got this as a as a screener, which was funny because I had already seen it, and I was like, oh, nice. And then I was like, you know what I should do? I should invite some friends over, and we should all have a blast and watch this. Because the nothing says a, uh, a lo- like loving cinema as inviting your friends over to watch a, a screener of a movie that's still in theaters. Um, but <laughs> not that helpful. being said, yeah, not helpful. Uh, still getting a sequel. Love it. Um, <clears throat> that being said, uh, this film is just purely delightful. Uh, I cannot wait to watch it again. Um, I think every single time I watch it, I'm going to get more out of it. Um, Michael Shannon is absolutely amazing in this film in a small supporting role um daniel craig is fantastic as always and yeah his his accent is wonderful uh what a what a twist for uh chris evans to play i love it i i just 
everything about this film, I really didn't know if I was going to enjoy it. I've I've been mostly a fan of Ryan Johnson's work, but like people really love Brick, and I I haven't seen it in a long time since I saw it the first time. So maybe it needs a revisit. But I didn't really like that film all that much, and so I've I've really enjoyed his uh, other works, but. Yeah, people keep pointing back at that one. And so every time a new Ryan Johnson film comes out, I'm a little hesitant. I'm like, ooh, is it is it going to be another brick where I'm kind of out and everybody else is fully in? And this movie, I was fully in. And apparently a lot of other people are fully in on it. So um, it's got a great uh, piece by Anna De Armas, who is now going to be in like everything and so congrats to her fantastic i guess uh yeah i guess craig must have worked with her and been like hey she's good you should cast her and so that's probably what happened um yeah no this film's awesome for the the bond movie you mean he was just like hey guys guess what this woman (laughs) throws up when she lies (laughs) people are like daniel for the last time the people you work with in movies are also actors (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right my second favorite film of the year is a beautiful intimate little love story called dragged across concrete (laughs) (laughs) thank you for to josh lewis who joined us for that one Indeed. All right. Yeah. Dragged Across Concrete is a hard bitten, no holds barred, bloody pulp crime extravaganza from S. Craig Zoller. Um, This movie is about uh, two guys who are not great cops and not great people who come across another guy who is a good person, but is in a bad line of work. And uh, the three of them are on a collision course because of a crazy fucking heist that's going to go down. I don't want to give anything away. If if you didn't listen to our episode, if you haven't seen this movie, if you haven't seen any of the movies of S. Craig Zoller, I don't know if this is the one to start with. Um, this movie is 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 everything that I love about Zoller's work. It's it's uh, it's it's mean. It's poetic. It's dirty. It's beautiful. It has a deep well of empathy for everyone, um, except for the monsters on the edges, who uh, it seems to have contempt for but find interesting. And um, yeah, it's just so good. And the 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 fucking soundtrack is a bunch of original new music that he wrote for the OJ's, which is just amazing. Um, it's great. I had an interview with him where we talked about it and um it's a it's a it's a damn good movie it's a strong great little crime thriller morality tale that uh i hope uh, everyone has a chance to check out and i'm very much looking forward to whatever we get next from zoller either as a writer or director or hopefully both so yeah that's my number two uh, i wasn't able to catch up with this one god damn it I, uh, I know i know but I, I think I think I might have been traveling at this point, and so I had to pass on even seeing it. And then, yeah, so yeah, I watched it like twice before we even podcasted about it, <laughs> and then I got the Blu-ray and like watched the shit out of that. 
it's just it's real good um bad men doing bad things and uh, i'm not just talking about the actors doing the things that their characters are doing all right here we are it's the number one film of 2019 for each of us gentlemen is there anything we want to do with our lives before we take this step which we cannot take back and which will ring forever in eternity oh i I have to go oh shit all right well (laughs) michael's number one film of the year was of course dumbo (laughs) we all know that not aladdin no no dumbo edged out which also came out this year what the fuck (laughs) bill's just getting blown away for real though michael's number one was in the shadow of the moon Lion King was my uh, least favorite movie of uh, 2019. Do we want to do do that? Do we all have our lists and we can say what our least favorite movie of the year was? Yeah, it it is actually The Lion King for me. (laughs) Michael's is The Lion King. Bill, do you know what your least favorite movie of the year was? That I saw and podcasted (laughs) Yes, that you saw, not that just you're aware of. (laughs) I didn't see Velvet Buzzsaw, but uh, that title... (laughs) no i think oh no yeah sorry it was uh star wars the last uh uh yeah rise of skywalker Skywalker? yeah yeah i can't even remember the name of it the trolliest troll move ever is just like yeah right (laughs) the last jedi sucks (laughs) take that sjw's uh my least favorite movie of the year was her smell followed uh, thereafter by the lion king yeah, Lion King is a close second for me. Glad that we all agree about the Lion King sucking. Uh, honorable uh, or dishonorable mention for Waves, which oh, really? Yeah, you didn't want another 360 camera pan? Oh, you know what? I don't have Waves on my list anywhere. That's funny. It wouldn't be the last. I mean, her smell in Lion King would still beat it. Mm-mm. beat it for worst Mm-mm. i guess that means that waves beat it i don't know waves would probably Yo, be right after skywalker the sucks skywalker is a terrible movie i don't think that's, i have that on bad, here bad i think movie. at some point i stopped putting things on my list if it wasn't gonna be in the top 10 that's smart yeah i was just like yeah, i've got 53 movies on here i don't really need All to right, know where in the 40s rise of skywalker is but anyway michael snydell you clearly yes. don't have to leave so what's your top movie of the year no, God Michael damn it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my my top movie of the year is uh, is Transit. It's already been mentioned. Hey, um, hey Transit. That's I'm just going to say it's an honorable mention for me. Um, so, yeah, Transit was something that has been in my top 10 all year. Uh, it's it's another one I actually did see um, last year at, at a fest. Um, I, I guess I was as bad as our as our guest, Alex. You son of a bitch. I had seen it uh, at least twice by the time we recorded that podcast. Um, yeah. So Transit is is really interesting because I think that. I immediately, I immediately liked it on my first view. Uh, Christian Petzold is a, uh, is a is a German filmmaker who I've been following for a decent amount of time. His um, Phoenix, right? Phoenix, yes, Phoenix was oh, yeah. Petzold, and that was a that was, uh, that was a film that a lot of people like. I personally like this one better than Phoenix. Um, so I I think what is ultimately so interesting about this film 
is, um, you know, Petzold is someone who has, you know, his his films have often felt like really, really well constructed riffs on uh, Hitchcock, like uh, the aforementioned Phoenix, uh, Barbara. Um, but a, a Transit, I think, is really interesting though because it, it is one a film about uh, fascism. What fascism uh turns people into uh, it it's actually an adaptation of a world war ii yeah world war ii era novel um that is yeah set in uh is set during yeah uh, world war uh, in, in nazi occupied um well it's in marseille in uh transit but i can't remember where it is in the original novel but it's uh beside the point uh, rather it's I find transit so interesting because I think that it melds a ghost story with a Hitchcockian thriller and kind of this uh, Kafka-esque uh, surrealism. Um, and, and I think it's so fascinating in, in just how carefully it, uh, it, it gives the audience information uh, so that, in classic fashion, we always know more than the protagonist, but it's always kind of shrouded in fog so that the the you know, the many different twists and the many uh, different like bait and switches it's it takes. It never felt uh, hollow to me. It, it always felt very emotional and and strange and just a, an extremely evocative experience. And uh, not only that, but it also on rewatch, I was just surprised um, how much it's a film just about uh, what is happening where kindness isn't even a a luxury. Uh, Like they're living in a world where if you even remotely – not not even step out of line like draw attention to yourself you are you know you're threatening your own survival and i think in being about about that and uh being a really emotionally uh, moving film and one that's just insanely well put together uh the uh, franz rogowski and paula beer are both fantastic and i can't wait for uh Undyne, which uh, actually just premiered at uh, Berlin uh, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm super excited for that. Um, yeah, this is on this is on Prime. You can watch it right now if you have Prime. Um, I know we all shouldn't uh, support Amazon, but um, they make it too easy. Uh, and. Yeah, again, Alex Heaney joined us for this. I just think this is a. Uh, a fantastic film and as the year went along i think this is uh, gonna be really high on my decade list too all right bill graham hmm. uh i got a real controversial pick here guys it's uh parasite <laughs> um yeah wow, that's just really you're the only person who's named parasite as anything yeah on this whole yep. thing um, so I really fell for this film. I loved it from beginning to end. I've seen it. I'm going to see it three times, uh, by 
probably next week. Um, this film is fantastic. It starts off with the bang. It really does um, have a lot to say about kind of our general uh, position in society. And I really found the last 20, 25 minutes of this film to just be a perfect symphony of chaos and craziness that so much of this film is building towards um the first half is one experience and the second half is an entirely different experience and um i don't want to spoil that anymore for people that haven't seen this film but i mean seriously if you haven't seen this film go out and go see it it's still in theaters uh it's back it's made a ton of money uh some of them are in black and white (laughs) Yeah, uh, this film really threads that needle of just being something that you can take a lot of people to see and they can find its rhythms and find its uh, humor really easily. And uh, it's got thriller. It's got um, Fraser. <laughs> it's got Fraser. Sure. Um, it's it's just it's got so many finely woven details that this film really is kind of uh, a a perfect uh, encapsulation of like, what's a film that could win an Oscar that is in a foreign language. Hey, like look at this one. And it's not like a bad (laughs) representation of that. Right. Like it actually makes sense that this one is one of the few that have done it. Or the only the one only so one. far. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm future proofing at it, this but, point. You know, it's like you know. Yeah, many have been nominated. Um, like more was nominated the, for best picture. This, this is funny because I had a conversation with my mother a couple of days before we watched the Oscars, actually, and I was telling her about this movie, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I've heard it's really good." Blah blah blah. Like, do you have a screener of it? And I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll invite you over. We'll watch it." And um, you know, but I was telling her like, "I I just don't think it's gonna win." And so I told her, "Ah, eh, you don't need to see it. It'll be fine." Like. You know, it it won't it won't win hardly anything, <laughs> and then it continued to win and win and win again. And the next morning, I texted my mom and I, I told her I bought it on 4K. It's on Voodoo. I'll log you in tomorrow. <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, you know, here we go. So yeah, uh, I don't I, I don't know. Like, it, there's been so much stuff already said about this film but the fascinating thing is i've listened to quite a few podcasts on it since it won and there was so much press around it that i've since found out that like bong joon ho used to be a tutor um bong joon ho uh has a statue of the creature from the host outside of the actual river in seoul south korea um he uh, also used to bring his uh, poor friends in like grade school over to have meals with his family because he knew he was richer than a lot of the kids around him. Um, so like there is just so many fascinating things around uh, this film that uh, ends up being kind of 
remarked upon in real life in a lot of ways. And I think uh, that's that's the cool thing about uh, you know the press cycle that we're actually in is sometimes there's neat stuff that you find out on these press tours that just kind of add a new wrinkle to everything you see on screen. So yeah, Parasite. Parasites. <clears throat> Thank you to Carol Grant who joined us for that episode. Quite so. Um, and it's time for me. The the number one film of the year for me is A Hidden Life by Terrence Malick. You're shitting me. What the oh my god, from out of nowhere. Um, why is this my number one film of the year? Because it's a lyrical, beautiful, moving film that reasserted my faith in and desire to follow in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who? <laughs> I'm sorry. Our benevolent Lord and Master Jordan Raup. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we're talking. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, if uh, if a, you know, I feel like if a movie gives you like an acute spiritual reawakening, maybe that should be your number one film of the year. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we had a whole thing about this like not two weeks ago, so go and listen to that. Uh, I have a giant essay about it on my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Terry doesn't always win in a walk. You know, I'm pretty sure there have been years where he's gotten like number two, but like this is a. How do you not? How do you not give it to him for this one? A movie that is so closely tied to so much that I care about. It's a hidden life. Um, is uh, what uh, if there were alpacas in a hidden life? Then, then that entire episode would have been about alpacas, just like the color out of space. <laughs> I am currently doing an alpaca documentary, the alpaca bubble. Um, you mean an alpaca mentory? <laughs> please don't, don't do that. Why? <laughs> I'm doing. I'm talking about how alpacas are used to raise money for presidential candidates. <laughs> Super alpacas. This is that dark web money I hear about, huh? Yes. <laughs> Very dark. Uh, so let's. Uh, I'm gonna let. I'm gonna say like you know, I'm gonna do a quick rundown of uh my my almost rans. Um, I'm gonna do the like between basically twenty and eleven. Okay. All right. So ready or not. The Lighthouse, Uncut Gems, Dr. Sleep, which Michael Snydell assumed was going to be on my top 10 after we talked about it. Uh, Midsummer, Parasite, Clocks in at 15, Transit, which everyone else loved. I also loved it. Is at 14? Crawl is at 13. Make of that what you will. <laughs> John Wick, three, Parabellum is at number 12. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just got edged out when uh you know a hidden life came in and pushed everything up one <laughs> michael Snyder, okay. would you like to do yours or bill whoever's ready i don't even yeah care. i'm ready uh right, bill number 16 is uncut gems fantastic ashes purest white is number 15 the nightingale whew, uh 14 the Farewell is number 13. Uh, surprise, surprise, Alita Battle Angel is number 12. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking nightmare movie, and it's fun, and it's got a lot of bad shit in it. But, That's my number yeah. 27. <laughs> uh, number Fantastic 11. performance, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, number 11 is Midsommar. All right. Michael, uh, we're, is that we're you ready from, to go? 
20 to 11, correct? Yeah, yeah. Let's just do All it. Right. Uh, 20 is the third wife. Uh, 19 is Atlantics. 18 is mm. Black Mother. 17 is A Land Imagined. 16 is Rolling Thunder Review. 15 is Little Women. 14 is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. 13 is Parasite. 12 is Peterloo. And 11 is The Image Book. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, anyone else have anything to say about the past year in film before we wrap it up? Fuck Lion King. Yeah, that's a that's a big 10-4 for me, good buddy. <laughs> uh, Disney had a lot of misses this year. Uh, <laughs> yes. Not financially. They're doing no. better than ever. But well, between... I mean, when when you have Avengers Endgame, it's, it's really hard to unbalance those balance sheets. Uh, but like, what was I going to say? Like, uh, financially, they, they like uh, artistically, they failed in, in like they have they have so many movies that are in my bottom 10. They've got The Lion King, Avengers Endgame, Dumbo, Captain Marvel. Uh-huh. They don't own the Fast and Furious, right? That's someone else. That's <laughs> yeah, that's someone that's else. universal. And then, that's and then universal. in the way that they fucked over Fox releases like Ad Astra and A Hidden Life. I mean, that's just even more red in their fucking ledger for me sure yeah so that's that's uh they can go to hell in a uh, off the top of your head uh i'm, I'm curious I, did you guys have any discoveries of older movies that you saw for the first time that you really loved i, I don't mean to be difficult if you guys have one you <laughs> oh no it. no no uh big trouble in little china i've never seen it i own it and then i watched it i did not pull a siever i i just purchased <laughs> it um but yeah i had never seen it that film is fucking wild ass shit uh it's delightful though holy shit it's really good but that's a weird ass movie man that's th- that john carpenter really is something <laughs> that's that is a way to put it um <laughs> I'm scrolling furiously through everything that I watched last year. I'm going to say tie me up, tie me down. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was a fun movie that I forgot that I liked. It was the losers. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, storks. I, th- I feel like I've been beating the drum on storks for like two years oh, though. So that's God, not like right. a this year thing. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I got, Oh, you know what? I'd never seen election before. Mm. I own that now. Yeah. 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 Um, because, and you know, I, I do want to plug our, our, uh, interview and kind of review of that book. That was a, that was a fascinating, oh, yeah, uh, conversation. Yeah. 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 Uh, what, what, what was the book called? Uh, best, best movie, best movie year, year ever. ever. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that was a fascinating, uh, conversation. And, uh, I think I ended up purchasing like 10 or 15 of those, uh, nineties movies. Cause I hadn't seen, quite I thought a you were going to say them. copies of the book. <laughs> no, 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 I actually do have, now I have, uh, three copies of that book. So, uh, we, we all got sent like a paperback preview copy. And then I think, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I got sent a hardback, uh, a published version of that, and then I bought it on digital because that's how I read shit. <laughs> I was just like, I own three copies of this fucking book now. But hey, okay. And then you know, I watched a bunch of those Columbia Noir movies that were on uh, the Criterion Channel, but now I don't see any of them on my Letterboxd list. So I'm wondering if I like neglected to enter them in. 
Yeah, they were those saw them in a drunken haze. Uh, no, I don't think I was drunk. <laughs> oh wait, here's yeah, one. The, the oh, the big heat and so dark the night. Mm. The big heat's the better of the two, but so dark the night ain't bad. Oh shit! But Brian, you're gonna make me have to. All right, the 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 one I thought about the most, or the two I thought about the most were uh, Yee Yee and uh, Lone Star, which is a '90s movie I'd heard about a lot Ooh. from John Sayles, but uh, it's fucking fantastic. So I can't recommend that one enough. Nice. Yeah, but those Columbia Noirs were so good. I I Criterion Channel is annoying because they expire like 30 movies every month yeah. and i the the list this this month is like it's just all of my shames <laughs> <laughs> unlike movie where they only expire one movie a year or yes. a year and one movie every day and so you have a costly rotating selection of 30 yeah, films to watch and enjoy we need um, to stop talking forever <laughs> I need to, we need to start like repitching how, what, like what our schedule is, <laughs> or I need yes. to start working less hard at the distillery because I am dying. <laughs> um, I think it's also the fact that my daughter decided that six o'clock in the morning was a great time to wake up today. Um, and unlike her, I don't get a nap in the middle of the day to recover when I start to go nuts. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so uh, so that's that's uh, that's that. I was was there any movie this year that viciously disappointed you that you were like fuck yeah can't wait <laughs> and then it was just it sucked. Are we all oh, just gonna say I, Star Wars? Well, I, was, I mean, I guess I guess I wasn't looking forward to Star Wars just because I it was, I just knew. Yeah, I just I just had a, a very bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that was a nightmare to watch. I watched it twice, guys. <laughs> I, I had to reconfirm. I had to. Oh, I had to. I had to say, "What was that? Did I see that?" And then see it again <laughs> and go, "Yeah, no, that's bad." Chewy. Oh, Chewy. Mm-hmm. Um, you go. Go ahead, Mike. It was. It was Hobbs and Shaw for me. I, oh, I, I, I love. Oh, Fast you know what? Oh, that's and, true. <sighs> yeah, it's. It, it's it's not a bad bad film mm. but it's just it's just so disappointing in so many ways like, uh, vanessa kirby innocent though <laughs> yes yes absolutely yes, agreed um i'm gonna say that i velvet buzzsaw was a real mm. disappointment for me sure um actually like f- my 40s in uh in my uh my letterbox list are like just a bunch of disappointments High Life, Serenity, mm. which is, I wasn't, ex- well, no, before I knew there was a twist, I was expecting Serenity to be like a fun B-level thriller. And so it was mm-hmm. disappointing Remember to find Serenity? out that it was batshit insane, but not batshit that insane wild. enough to be truly great. Um, and then Gemini Man and Velvet Buster. Yeah, Gemini Man's one of mine where that no, one ended wrong. up being. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be uh, fair, I only saw half the movie, Michael. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even see half. What are you talking about? Bill saw a quarter of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that movie, its plot machinations are atrocious and just so ridden in the 90s. Like, clones, guys! Whoa! And you're just like, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Brian, I'm really curious. Have you seen Roman J. Israel Esquire? I have not, no. 
So that's the previous film from Dan Gilroy after yeah. Nightcrawler. Yep. It's yeah. really good. Like it's Ooh. really interesting. I have heard okay. that. I, and I really, really recommend that one. I really want to see it. So I'll have to do that at some point. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's really interesting. I'm also Nightcrawler. Gonna, really good movie. That is. Yes. Yeah. That is also a good movie. I'm going to say I am disappointed in Joker. As the person who kept saying, guys, it could be good. Guys, you don't know it could be good. I'm furious that I held out hope for that movie. (laughs) I should have known better, but I really like was, you know, kind of hoping that it would pull off something, but it didn't. And uh, that's that's what you get. You get for getting your hopes up. I would say as far as an actual disappointment for me, I, I mean, I really liked The Witch. And I, I thought the lighthouse was a bit of a one-trick pony, um, and yeah, I, I I really thought there was a lot to the uh, to the witch. Um, I, I saw it twice in theaters. You don't like my lobster. <laughs> you like me lobster, don't you? Oh, God. <laughs> I, Sorry. I I Sorry, I, I did oh, not like story. <laughs> oh fuck, that's not even on my list anywhere. I don't think that's another one that I was just like, yeah, it doesn't need to go anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, Marriage Story was bad, but I wasn't really expecting that to be good. But I'm shocked at how ineffective it was on me, Mm. you know. But Meyerowitz was quite good. Which one? Meyerowitz Meyerowitz was quite good, which was the last. Yeah, that was a good one. But, you know, in general, I'm like, oh, Meyerowitz is an outlier for me, you know? Okay. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, I I agree. Like, I was kind of hoping that The Lighthouse would be something more than it was. It wasn't The Witch, which was, like, one of my top ten of that year, maybe, like, the second or third. And then... uh. But the lighthouse is is firmly at nineteen and is still a heck of a movie. Um, that's it. All right, y'all. We're done. Um, yep. I feel like I've already done the movie plug. I just worked it in there when we were talking about the Criterion Channel. But Absolutely. I'll say it again. Good job. Movie, awesome. Thirty films, rotating selection, curated. Just better a than word, sunscreen. Just a word <laughs> cloud. Yeah, better than sunscreen. Deep cut for the listeners. <laughs> that's a real callback uh it's some dan candyman type shit for all the blankies out there um what else uh mubi.com slash film stage again mubi.com slash film stage don't forget to go to patreon.com slash film stage show to give us your money remember that if you become a new subscriber you can no a new subscriber yeah a new patron you can send an email to podcast filmstage.com and we will probably send you a blu-ray uh, really great movies listen to the beginning episode if you would like to know what those are also if you're a fan of the b-side don't forget that they have their own feed now their newest episode on harrison ford is up now uh listen to them talk about the lesser known uh less successful films of your some of your favorite actors again that is the b-side from the film stage and uh, i think that's it yeah uh we can tell you now where we can be found between now and the next time we are in your ears which will be next week when we were talking about the invisible man starring elizabeth moss who is in my least favorite film of this year her smell <sighs> brian i am sorry i hated that fucking movie so goddamn much alex ross perry please come on the film stage show come on <laughs> come on chapo and by chapo i mean the film stage show what is wrong that's like a meme isn't it like you know someone someone go on chapo no i don't know chapo trap house that's a thing right yes it is can we not talk about chapo (laughs) i don't know what chapo is it's i only know the joke uh what was i gonna say uh all right let's uh tell the five people at home where you can be found between now and next time we talk about the invisible man bill graham uh yeah you can find me 
on our Slack channel, mixing it up as always, uh, avoiding uh, unfollow that political thread. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am not participating in that. Good God. Um, and uh, yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at CableBFG. Uh, you can find me uh, probably uh, at my house uh, showing my mom Parasite in 4K in the next couple of days. So, yep. Live tweeted about it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll do absolutely. a live, uh, a live uh, podcast about doing that. I'm sure that won't violate any copyright. Um, all right, Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at @snydell. Uh, I will not have any writing this week, but I, after complaining about it, uh, the 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 karma gods saw fit to make me review the way back next week yes uh, which is, is something but from the uh, modern Twitter, frank capra <laughs> oh god um you know what i'll, I'll plug myself uh I, I did a jane got a jane got a gun was that the final <laughs> title of that movie an aerosmith reference jane's got a gun is that the yeah yeah no that yeah, I don't know which movie you're talking about. That that is a title is of the movie that just recently yeah. came out. Yeah, I reviewed that on Film Stage like four years ago or something. Um, yeah. Also, you can follow me finishing up uh, MEW, which is a hashtag where people have been listening to a new album they've never heard before and giving quick, uh, quick uh, re- reactions. Words are hard. Um, I'm also on Letterboxd where, again, I've been trying to get through my pile of shame on Criterion Channel and failing horribly. Uh, yeah, I don't do anything else. <laughs> All right, great. <clears throat> well, you good. Uh, then you, you should go see Sonic then, Michael, and tell us if it's actually any good because the I hear movie that feminists good are things. furious about. Um, will you pay me to do so not in money <laughs> all right Deal. emoji i don't know <laughs> i so you will not see a movie called sonic the hedgehog sober <laughs> no one ever said you had to see it yeah. sober i'll pay you all in right. drugs there's a man Jesus. coming from baltimore sure. to Sounds meet good. you outside of the cubs park uh Christ. Um, <laughs> Michael went so much longer than usual that I need to hurry before the song that I chose Sorry. to play over the end of this ends. Uh, weed is legal now in Chicago, so. Huzzah. No, it's not, it's not going to be weed. It's going to be heroin. Anyway, I can be found at my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. BrianJRowan on all the social medias Instagram, Twitter, Peach, Facebook. Um,. Like I said, uh, next week we're going to be talking about The Invisible Man. Uh, between now and then, you can find all the episodes of this here podcast at filmstage.com, where you can also find all of our writing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and tune in next week.